everyone. Welcome to the Worship Artistry Podcast. My name is Jason Houtsman. With me, with our brand new microphone, is Christina Kaslanka. <laughs> Are you excited, Christina? That is mostly just for me to see how my voice sounds while singing into this microphone. Yeah, I feel like microphones are weird because there's certain times, like everybody has different ones that they're like, this is the one that fits my voice or they're like, oh, you know, you hear the air in this thing or whatever, you know, like, and ultimately. I believe them. I'll just trust them. Well, and (laughs) well, that works for you because you have a good voice. But if you're like me and you're just like struggling to get by and you're like, I need to find, like, I actually, I used to, when I was recording, I used to try and like, how do I sound different? Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't like my voice. I don't like, and now I've gotten to the point where I'm like, okay, this is what I sound like. This is what I'm supposed to sound like. I'm happy with this sound. I know what to do with this sound. It doesn't sound like you, or like pop stars, or like anybody who's really that good. But it sounds like me. Are you saying I, that you're not a pop star, Jason? I am not a pop star. I know it's hard <laughs> to believe. I know it's, <laughs> it's so hard to believe that you're not a pop star. I know, right? Uh, a diva, in but the making. but. What I will say, though, is like when you can actually get something that makes you sound like you, that's like what you should be aiming for. Yes. Not like something else. And SM7s, we're using SM7Bs, are awesome because they actually are really isolating. So if you're in a room that's really noisy or really echoey or something like that, you can kind of get up on one of these and it just kind of makes all that go away. And after much begging, I finally have one. Well, you know, she needed to earn it. You know, we don't we don't just give out nice microphones for the podcast right it, away. Right but away. hopefully now there's not going to be weird sound issues that we've been having. Hopefully, if you've been listening, you weren't too bothered by those. By sounds. all the spikes in I your really volume. I really tried. I'm the one that edits our podcast. It's me. <laughs> Hi. Um, and I've really tried to to tune those things out, but it's it gets hard. So hopefully. It's amazing how much harder though you'll work when it's your thing, that's when it's true. like your voice. Like if it was my voice, I feel like you just I'd go. Be like, nah, whatever, that's fine. Jason. That's fine. It's it's great. okay. But it it's was okay. me. It was whenever I made a noise that it was like. It's like when somebody takes a photo. We had a band photo, and that got like put out all over the place because our yeah. drummer was the one that sent it out, and he was like literally the only person that looked good in it. But he picked <laughs> that one because he was just like, yeah, this photo's sweet because he only looked at himself. Yeah, and you're like, uh. What what about us? <laughs> I'm looking at you, Jeff Neff. I'm calling you out. That's always rough. That's always with group photos. You have to like pass it around being like, does everyone approve of this photo to be released on social media? I know. Well, and like my wife has very, very specific how she wants things. Like I used to take photos of her all the time. And now she doesn't even let me do that anymore. I've She's like, I'll do it. I will do it. We've had people, you know, taking photos at like church and stuff. And you're posting on social media and, and things. We've definitely had church members reach out and be like, don't post photos of me. Like, I don't like how I look in photos. So just don't post any of me. I wonder how that's been with uh, with the whole streaming thing. Like, I was actually really curious about that. So when, when streaming first came around, I think mm-hmm. as musicians, as church musicians especially, like you kind of have in your mind what you think you look like mm-hmm. and how you think you sound. And it can be very jarring if you actually see yourself and you go like, Oh, that's not how I look when I'm striking a pose in the mirror. Like I don't look like that all the time. Like I've learned from social media, like videos, like when I started acting, I never take like selfies or anything. And so I started doing like songs. Right. And I'm like, Hmm, my chin's getting a little, (laughs) chin's getting a little saggy over there. You know, like you just kind of notice all these little things. 
I know that, well, there is a whole thing of like privacy, I feel like, for like live streaming services yeah. and stuff, which I remember the very first time I walked into a, a bigger like mega church type situation like years ago before everyone was live streaming. I walked in and on all of the doors and things, it did have a little note of like, by walking into this building, you are okay with like being on our like live stream and, and all this stuff. Like they basically just did a warning of like, if you walk into this building, you are going to have to be okay with this. It's kind of like being on a website and being like basically. cookies. You have to accept them now oh, it's so annoying. to click that on every website ever. That's the worst. <laughs> Except all the cookies, always. Yeah, just, I know. Who, say, who says no? Like, they'll know, then you don't get to be here. Exactly. Like, so what's the I still want to see it, so you just always have to... Ex uh, anyways. Yeah. I digress. But this doesn't really have anything to do with our Absolutely guest today. Not. <laughs> he looks amazing in every photo and every video I've always. ever seen him in. For decades now. And he's been in a lot, Mr. Matt Redman. Yes, big deal, Matt Redman. Yo, dude, he's one of my favorites. He's he's one of those guys that when he, when he puts out a song... I just assume it's going to be good. Like it's, yeah. it's going to be solid. It's going to be, it's weird to say this about a song, but like Matt Redman has kind of a humble aura about him. Like, mm -hmm. and it's, you hear it in his writing. There's a humility of the way that he looks at God mm -hmm. and like the way he walks through life and in the way he does podcast interviews. And so every time I've ever had a chance to talk with him, it is just, I look forward to it. It's always great. And this is no exception. So without further ado, Mr. Matt Redman. Matt Redman, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's good to chat with you. Oh man, it is. Uh, it's 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 always a gift to have you on. I always look forward to it. You uh, you have been somebody that I have been listening to and whose songs I've been leading for for years. I mean, going back to high school for me. And so uh, so I remember listening to those first records and and uh, and and all throughout. And you've always been such a consistent and uh, and wonderful presence in the worship world. So. Very excited That's to have kind. this conversation. That's kind. Thanks, man. I love that. I uh, I should have. You know, I was listening to one of uh, your your podcasts, and I almost I almost pulled up an AI a Chat GPT intro. Yeah, because I've heard that those are that you, those seem to work pretty well for you. Yeah, I mean, if if you're as lazy as me, this new <laughs> Chat GPT thing's a gift, right? No, it was yeah, funny. We did a podcast the other day. And like you said, I introduced the guest by reading out an intro that AI had written. Um, I actually stole that trick from someone else who interviewed me, <laughs> if I'm totally honest, on a radio show. And I was like, yeah, I like that. I like it. And honestly, I mean, it's pretty good at that. Like it was factual. <laughs> it was written very well. It was a nice crescendo to, to the whole thing as we got to the end of it. Um, so there you go. Yeah. I might save myself five minutes there. <laughs> well, that's, that's actually, I already know so much of your work. So it's easy to just go right up off the top of my head. You actually <laughs> were interviewing, uh, that guest was Glenn Packiam, who is yeah. a, who's a good friend of mine. We actually went to college oh, together. Fantastic. And no if way. I introduced, if I introduced Glenn, I would have introduced him as the keyboard player who inspired me to actually try and like to, to engage physically and emotionally in front of people and be okay to do that. Because wow. I used to, when I was, when I was leading worship, I'd like hide behind a plant. And yeah. I remember being so inspired by the way that he was playing and singing and just engaged that I was like, I, that, that calls me to do that, you know? And so. Oh, I love that so much. So that's yeah, my he's big memory a, he's of him. a great guy. He's got a, a warm heart and a smart brain. And that's a good combination for <laughs> that a worship is. leader or pastor. Yeah, that is. Well, uh, well, speaking of smart brains, uh, we're on here to talk about uh, your worth uh, event. Um, yeah. 
tell, 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 tell our listeners a little bit about that. Yeah, so the idea for worth has been um, stirring in me for a while now, thinking about worship and theology. And in fact, that's where we got the name from, the W-O-R, from the word worth comes from worship, the T-H from theology, put them together, worship, theology, worth. And been thinking like we, there's some great training around on a lot of the creative and production and um, some of that kind of stuff to do with musical expression. Um, but I think we might need a bit more help stirring up the conversation when it comes to lyric and content and substance and the revelation of God and how much do our songs really match up to the God that we find in scripture? Are we addressing him in the same way? Are they naming him the same way? Are we including the story of God? And there's so much to look at, but um, the, so this idea came for these seminars and we've got the very first one in Washington, DC at Museum of the Bible, October 25th. It's going to be a whole day, 9.30 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. We'll drink from the fire hose together um, with me and a few friends and um, just really hope that we can stir up that conversation and keep moving on in, in that area. I'm, I'm super passionate about that. So tell me about like your your experience, what, what in your life experience and in your worship leading experience led you to led you down this road led you to man we need to we need to bring more of this into our worship leading like what were some of the things that kind of pushed you to actually do this yeah i mean i I grew up from an early age in an environment where uh, we were singing a lot of old hymns and even when i was bringing these new songs the pastor was like these are great and let's do this but please also go back to the old stuff and bring out the richness from the past we've got this amazing heritage and of course, one thing I noticed about the hymns, they sung about a few more subjects than we tend to sing about. And they also seem to have a depth and a poetry to them at times, which was very refreshing and very helpful. And so I think it's been impressed on me from the beginning and, and just hanging out with different pastors and theologians and academics and teachers realizing, oh man, you know, we could get some help here. Like this is, I feel like someone like me came into this through the root of music. And so I was playing guitar, so I became a worship leader. I think that happens for a lot of people. But with those old hymns, a lot of those people came in through the route of um, being ordained ministers who had trained in, in studying scripture. And so maybe that's one reason why the songs turned out a bit deeper. And so it's just, I think it's that, that thing's been in me for a while, but also noticing, hey, we seem to be taking some ground with some of the more external side of things, like the the musicality, the creativity, the production levels, how well a band plays together. You know, we've got our tracks and we've got that stuff and that stuff's all great, but I don't think we've taken ground in when it comes to the content matter of what we're singing about. You know, the are we really presenting this rich, deep truths that give us as big a picture as we can of Jesus, his grace, his glory, his majesty, his mercy. And so that became the thinking like, I can't do everything in one day with these things, but we can definitely stir up a conversation. We can cover some ground. We can stretch and challenge ourselves to, to do better in that. And I, and I really, um, you know, I think every time I sit down with a pastor or theologian, at some point we get to talking about these kind of themes. And it, and it feels like a lot of the leadership in the church uh, have the same heartbeat. Like, yeah, there's some really great songs coming through, but there's definitely room for us to, to do even better on on this do you think that um by digging into the more the more theological side the more historical side do you think that that 
helps us focus our target a little bit more. Like I, I, when I think about, you know, we've taught over 600, you know, songs on worship artistry and from all, from, you know, from all different movements and denominations and everything else. And, um, we, I, I think the more that we try and wrap our brains around God and, and some of the, some of the metaphors that we use, they, they get further and further out a little bit, you know, yeah. and it's like, do you feel like kind of going, grabbing some of these, like, these like foundational pieces kind of helps focus the message and, and focus what, yeah. what our worship is. I mean, I think when we go back and we look at what, you know, worship leaders, saints, singers in the past have sung, um, it really helps us get some perspective. And, and one thing would be, we've moved into a very, um, some of the themes that we've moved into in, in a huge way, you wouldn't really find any time in the past in church history where we leaned into them quite that strongly. So maybe leaning into the friendship at the expense of the fear, leaning um, into the mercy of God at the expense of majesty, leaning, you know, and it, and it feels like what we do when we look back at what the kind of collective songbook of the church down through the centuries, it helps us get some perspective of, oh yeah, here's what they did strongly, or here's um, what we're doing well. Um, maybe they didn't do so well. There are elements of that. I mean, a lot of these old hymns, I would say sometimes they're not great in terms of the overflow of the heart aspect. They, they feed you with a lot of information and very poetic, beautiful revelation. Sometimes they don't give you anything to do with that. They don't let you have chance to say thank you or respond to say I praise you for that. So, so I'm not, you know, I, I think that we've all got our different strengths and weaknesses, but I think in this, in this time period in the church, we, we just need to step back and, and um, the songs we choose, the way we lead our worship song um, services, the songs that we write, really think, are we really um, doing a good job here? Like when we measure this against something like the Apostles' Creed or against scripture itself, are we covering the main and plain themes? And are we doing that in, a, in the most honoring way we can? Like, what do you think, um, by expanding that idea, like, I, I always think about worship songs as, you know, we, a lot of times we put a lot of weight on like one song, right? Whereas we sing a lot of songs and we incorporate a lot of other pieces. And I always kind of look yeah. at it as like, well, th this song teaches us this thing about God. And this song helps us express this thing about God. And it's, God is a much bigger picture. We'll never fit him all into a song, Yes, <laughs> you know, or a million songs. We'll never fit him into anything. Right. So um, true. But there is such a, like a story aspect of learning who God is and, and kind of a journey there. Cause like you're saying, you know, historically you might have kind of a leaning this way and then it, the pendulum kind of swings this way. And where, where do you, as, as you've been having these conversations, where, what are some of the holes and some of the gaps that you see that you're like, man, I'd love to have writers writing, you know, writing more in this direction or, or grabbing some more of these pieces. Like what are some of the, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure that, you know, this isn't the first conversation you've had about it. So what are some of the areas that you're like, man, I think we could really dive deeper into some of these. Yeah. I mean, if a lot of people would say would be the Trinitarian theology would be one area and it doesn't have to be like verse one, the father, verse two, the son, verse three, the spirit, but you can find ways to make sure that's showing up in the songs. Um, the way one guy put it, uh, he said, uh, you know, sometimes the Trinitarian theology, it's, it's like 
it's like the grammar in the sentence. It's not always super explicit and in our faces, but it's there shaping everything. And I like that thought. Um, so just to make sure that, you know, we're, um, you know, we sing to Jesus uh, so much, we're not, we're not lacking there, but um, sometimes we're quite lacking in, in uh, singing to the Father, for example. And, um, you know, in Trinitarian worship, we, we go with Jesus and in Jesus and through Jesus to the Father in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we want to make sure that we're recognizing that mystery. Uh, and sometimes I think we get scared off by some of these things. Like Trinitarian theology can sound like higher mathematics or something. It's like, whoa, I'm just a guitarist. <laughs> but I'm not going there, you know. And so that's why we need some people to help. So, for example, uh, on these worth days, we're going to bring in some academic minds. And they'll be warm, friendly people who are great communicators and nice to hang with, but they've got sharp minds and they've thought a lot about worship and theology. So in this first one, I've got this guy, W. David O. Taylor, coming in. And he's just um, really a great person for us to throw questions at and, to, and for, to say, come on, stretch us. Can you help us grow in this area? Because I certainly can't help us on my own. And in other areas, uh, the return of Christ, one we're getting a little bit stronger on, I feel, but... But, you know, you look five, ten years ago, it's hardly getting a look in. And, and the, the, the second coming of Jesus is, is such a huge theme in the New Testament. It shapes us living urgent, prayerful, evangelistic lives, holy lives. It's, it's a big factor that we have to be singing about if we're going to be discipled properly. And we've got a lot of God fully. Um, so some of those themes for sure. I mean, honestly, the big overriding one is reverence. And it's hard. You know, I always say, how do you sing holy, holy, holy in a world of me, me, me? That's a tough thing in 2023 to figure out how do we sing some of these grand, majestic themes about God in a culture where it's become more and more irreverent and there's less and less mystery. How do we sing about reverent mystery? And it's, it's tough, but we can do it. And uh, we're going to need the help of the Holy Spirit. We're going to need to sharpen each other. And we're going to need some of these sharp minds uh i talked about it help us worship leaders uh, along the way but yeah there might be some of the themes right now yeah i mean i think too it, having people be able to challenge what we write and and call us to to a deeper sense is yes. is is so is so valuable right and it's it's yeah. it's funny when when you mentioned the trinitarian thing i was in a i got to be in a song right with a couple guys and they were like, well, let's, let's, we need to sing about like, let's start it with the Trinity. Let's start like digging into the Trinity. And we're like talking about all this stuff. And I'm like, can anyone explain to me what the Trinity is first? Cause I still do not understand. Yeah. Like, it's, well, it's a, it's a big picture for me. I need, I need more that yeah. I can't just define it in a verse. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, and the funny thing is inherently you, you, you are a Trinitarian theologian because you have met Jesus and you have gone with Jesus to the father and the Holy Spirit has, you know, brought you in. So he illuminated you as to who Jesus was. So it's funny, like in our kind of heart and spirit, we kind of know it. But in our mind, sometimes we're, 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 we're figuring out how, how do we express this in words? And, it, and it's a mystery is always hard to express in words, but, but we can definitely uh, have a go. Right. And, you know, I love I love that though, that you even brought that up because that's so good. It would have been easy just to be quiet in that moment and be like, <laughs> um, and again, it's somewhere where, you know, people in the past can help us. You can look through some of these old hymns and, you know, wh whatever 
subject is sometimes uh, for me so often a song starts with a hymn lyric I might not even end up using any of that lyric in my song but it might be something about their approach maybe their approach to the cross or the way they talked about the blood of Christ or something about the uh the uh something the return of Christ something you think oh man yeah that's a great way into this song but this isn't just for songwriters. These are worth mm -hmm. events. There will be songwriters. And, you know, that's my favorite thing to teach on personally. And we'll definitely do that. But I want us to think about how we shape worship services. And, and one of the biggest things is the songs that we choose. Mm -hmm. You know, we're so um, needing a certain sort of kind of musicality. You know, you need something to feel good. You need it to sing good. You need maybe an opening song that's a real exclamation mark. So we're looking for all these kind of external expression factors. And sometimes the lyric thing takes a backseat. You know, sometimes we'll overlook a lyric that actually we don't really agree with or might not even really think that's not really even true, but we love the song so much. Well, I'm so desperate for a song. There's no way I'm, I'm going to overlook, you know, there's way I'm going to lose this song just for one lyric. Or... It might be more the case of like, yeah, this song feels good into this one. And this one's got the tempo we need here. And the pastor wants us to, to end with something of this dynamic here. And the, the thing that takes the backseat is, yeah, but what's the spiritual journey here? And like, how are we, um, and, and how are we singing about God? Are there, are there elements that we, we're missing out or we're super light on in you know, maybe you can't, like you say, you can't do it all in one song. You can't do it all in one service, but look over six months and think, is there area, areas that were super weak in and how do we grow in those? How does the, how does, the, how do you see the worship leader's job in, in terms of, in terms of framing these songs? You know, it, it seems like the deeper you go into music or the deep, you know, the deeper you go into a lyric, the more weight you put into some of these areas the more uh, the hard the, the harder it is to grab. Like a lot of our songs are very like, here's this truth, say this th like, you know, it's Jesus, or it's you know, it's yeah. like Jesus died on the cross, Jesus rose from the dead, uh, you know, like these kind of really big things that we can all agree on, right? Yeah. When you start talking about like theology, right? There's people that come from all different perspectives and and different different you know thinking streams and and everything yeah. else. Um, how do you how do you walk through that in terms of as as a songwriter, but also as a worship leader and like framing these kind of more challenging, I would call them more challenging, uh, you know, yeah. pieces of theology and things that because they're yeah not not all theology makes us feel good right like yeah we like to sing these songs but sometimes we have to sing these songs yes right and so how do you see the worship leader's role in in walking their congregation through that? I mean, one thing to say you know is simple doesn't have to mean shallow so we don't have to get super complicated necessarily i can think of some songs how great is our god you know would be an older one that's an example of it which is has a lot of depth and richness to it but it's actually not a very complicated song i can think of like really old song you know one example i love to give there is a redeemer uh, by melody green it's an it's an old song but it's it gives you this sense of timeline in the song because it's there is a redeemer telling the old old story so that's the god of yesterday is uh jesus my redeemer in verse two so that's well what does that mean to my life right now that's the god of today and then verse three um the god of 
tomorrow, the God of forever, when I stand in glory, I will see his face. Very, very simple song, but unwittingly what it's done, uh, I mean, you might, I'm, probably the writer meant it, I don't know, but it's drawn us in to remind us we're in this epic love story with God. We're in this grand, you know, saga, you know, with, with the almighty or loving God and, and simple lyrics, but there's a depth to it because it gave us a timeline and a story. So these are some of the ways we can get into um, some of this stuff. And like you say, um, you know, some of the more challenging themes. I mean, one that springs to mind for me would be repentance. Mm -hmm. So I grew up in a church where we, we had some kind of spoken liturgy. It was an Anglican church. And some weeks I loved it. Some weeks I thought, oh, this feels like last week. But what I realized was, man, every week that was giving me um, a really good big picture of who God was. It's making sure the main plane main main and plain themes that need to be in there or in there and and it was giving me elements of something like repentance where even if we didn't have a song on repentance every week we were having a moment of acknowledging our the ways that we'd fallen short and that we needed to be clean and we needed to be forgiven and made new again and and so it's really helpful. And I think that's interesting because we don't so often have spoken liturgy stuff in so many of the streams of the church now, but then often we don't have a song about repentance. I don't think I've been in a, in a, a service with a song about repentance for probably a year. Mm -hmm. So, so that's a fascinating point, isn't it? Because something that the church has had down through the centuries, this really important element of, of worship, but it's nowhere to be seen in so many churches hmm. throughout the, throughout, throughout the year. Now, one thing you could do is, well, I'm going to write a big repentance song. And, and if you do that, that could work. You would need your pastor to be behind you and you need to get the tone right and you need to make sure it all made sense. You've sung it at the right moment. But another thing you could do is to just put a couple of lines in a song. I mean, I snuck a couple into Heart of Worship. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I made it. <laughs> it's just saying, sorry, it's not a hugely heavy and astounding line about repentance but at least it's an acknowledgement of like we mess up and we're going to need to be forgiven mm -hmm. um, or it might be you don't even have any song it might be that you as the leader in the right moment you're like hey we were in the presence of a holy god today and we've all fallen short we don't deserve to be here and you just lead it mm -hmm. but however it sneaks its way into the service whether in a big way or in a more subtle and briefer moment I think an element like that has got to be in the service. And this, this is the kind of thing I want us to think about. Yeah, that's, be that's beautiful. Yeah, and I, I love your approach to it. It's just, it can just be something so simple, right? Like it doesn't yeah. necessarily have to, you know. It doesn't even have to have religious words, you know. Right, totally. It can be, you know, it, it, that's the, sometimes we get so, we get into some of these themes like reverence or repentance and suddenly we start using words you know, we would never use. And there might be ways that we can talk about these themes that feel a bit more natural to people. Oh, man, I would actually love to ask you that about that. Because I think when when I think about your songwriting over, over the years, you write in very, um, in very, I would say, like, plain and accessible language, like big picture things, but you write in a way like, I think one of the the reasons why I can lead so many of your songs is because you sing in a way that I would say it. Like a lot of times I feel like I would never say that or I'll bring a song to my community and they're just like, what? This isn't how we talk. Yeah. But you write in this very like 
plain accessible way that has this real depth and like foundational approach to it. Like, is that something that you've done intentionally over the years? Is that something that, that comes naturally to you or do you have to kind of strive to, to do that? Do you even think you do that? <laughs> Maybe that's the first question. Um, I mean, that's a lovely compliment. I love that. I think that it's maybe a bit natural to me because I feel like how I got into songwriting in the first place was I just needed to talk to God about some things and it felt like the way I was made, songwriting was a good way to do that. For some people, it's journaling. Some people will go, you know, go and paint something or people find their different ways. For me, I really found songwriting such a helpful and natural way to talk to God so maybe there's that element in it um but yeah you want these things to feel real and you also want them to feel emotional like when it all starts becoming that's the other danger when i talk about themes like this is that you know when it starts to become too cerebral then we lose the engagement of the heart and then suddenly something's missing um i remember bono from u2 saying about songwriting you can have a thousand ideas but without emotion it's just an essay and we don't need to be writing essays. You know, these are songs. So we want to make sure it has um, that stuff. And, you know, um, maybe we'll talk about this on the Worth Day but, uh, in, in uh, October in, in D.C., but the uh, C.S. Lewis talks about three types of language you use when it comes to worship. He talks about um, ordinary language, uh, poetic language, and... Um, theological language he says when we talk about faith these are three types of language we use ordinary poetic and theological and this is a great little test to look through your song and think um does it use ordinary words like is it using words that the average person will understand and they get it and it feels relevant to their lives and like you say this is how they they would say it so they feel a sense of ownership in the song but the problem is if you go too ordinary then you're going to not have any aspect of reverence in it or the fact that God is set apart. Um, someone once said about Bruce Springsteen with his writing that the, the magic of what he does, he takes someone's ordinary life and he makes them sound extraordinary. Mm -hmm. and, and unfortunately, sometimes in the church, we do the opposite. We take the extraordinary, our God, and somehow it sounds a little bit ordinary because the way we're singing about him. Um, so that's getting the balance. So, so the poetic will help us there. If you can make it poetic, that'll help you make it sound richer and paint a, convey a lovely big picture of who he is and draw us into mystery and wonder and things like that. And, and then the third ingredient, theological. There's going to be some language we have to use because uh, it's in scripture. Maybe there's no other word for it. Maybe it's a name or a title of God that he has told us his name. So rather than make a new one up, I think we should probably use that. And <laughs> Um, so there's going to be elements in there you might have to explain. Then there might be some phrases and there might be um, things that you you need to say, use, but you try and give them the right context so people mm -hmm. understand what they mean. I mean, an example would be this um, very old song called Refiner's Fire. Mm -hmm. uh, this great songwriter, Brian Dirks, and he, he says in this song, uh, we choose to be holy, set apart for you, Lord. And I love that because he uses the word and then in the very next few words, he explains what that word means. <laughs> and that's kind of cool. We're getting a free lesson as well. Uh, and I think that sometimes it's like that. Our song rooms, uh, sorry, our songs are like classrooms and chapels. You know, they're classrooms that can teach us something about God, but they're also chapels. They give us space to devote ourselves to him. And yeah, so see, these are some of the themes I think about when I'm songwriting. That's awesome. 
So when you when you think about this uh, this one day conference with Worth and like, who do you you know you said it's not just for songwriters. Like we'll talk about yeah. songwriting, but there's more to that. Um, I think a lot of times we think about songwriting as this uh, like this industry or that's like I I'm a songwriter when I can accomplish <clears throat> this or I'm a songwriter yeah. when I when I write this kind of a song and now that's this thing right like. Who do you, I'm, I'm realizing, I'm talking with my hands so much. You have me so excited. I like it. Um, yes, my, new, my New Jersey side's coming out. I'm starting to get kind Fantastic. of Fantastic. Um, but uh, when you think about who's coming to this conference, because you say like we a lot. You're like, when we sing this and we do this, who is the we? Like, who do you, who is invited yeah. to worth? Who do you, what kind of people, what people do you want to see there? I mean, essentially anyone who has a heart to fight for the glory of God in worship music. You know, we're titling the, the strap line, coming back to the heart and the mind of worship. And if that's something that lights you up, we'd love to see you there. But I, I obviously would love worship leaders to come. I would love worship leaders, bring your teams, even if you have to get them sponsored or you have to get the church to pay for them. It would be fantastic just to get in the room together. Obviously, worship songwriters, worship musicians of every kind, and also pastors. You know, pastor, why don't you bring a worship leader could be a great way to to get stretched together and have some great conversations and, and um, find some direction for the way our worship services flow i notice how much work um, pastors trust us worship leaders with a lot often we're talking to the people whether they're brand new people or been there for years we're, we're taking up the first 30 minutes of their of the time in the service and there's a lot of trust there they're trusting us to present a view of god they're trusting us to give a wholesome uh, meal, if you like, put some great stuff on the table that's nutritious. Um, you know, and not, not only does it taste good and look good, but it actually is good for us. And so, yeah, if you are in any of those categories, you'd be so welcome and we'd love to see you there. And we've got some great people involved. Pat Barrett, great friend of mine. Oh yeah. Very funny man but a very deep man too, a lovely combination. Obviously he's written songs like Good Good Father and Build My Life. So he'll be there. Jason Ingram, who's one of the most consistent worship songwriters I know. I mean, the list is almost endless, you know, Great Are You Lord, <laughs> King of Kings, um, Sea of Victory, uh, Goodness of God, more recently Holy Forever, he's part of that one too. So he's got some great stuff to bring us. And then this guy, David Taylor, who I already mentioned, um, some people might have seen him because he interviewed uh, while Eugene Peterson was still alive. He interviewed him and Bono talking about the Psalms. If you haven't seen that, check it out. It's brilliant. He got them together in a room and, and then he followed up and interviewed uh, Bono more extensively about the Psalms another time. All that's on YouTube. But David has a great um, mind and a brilliant heart and he's going to be a wonderful person to mix. So if you want to sit around these kind of people and, and I'll be there too, uh, yeah, then we would love to to spend that day with you. Wonderful. So, uh, so give us the details. How do how do people sign up? When yeah. is it? How do how do we get there? So all the details are at worthworship.com. W o r t h worship.com, and it's on October the twenty fifth. It's in Washington D.C. at the renowned Museum of the Bible. I mean, if it was me, I'd just come for that. Like, forget, even <laughs> if we gave you a tragic day that was boring and hopeless and uninspiring in every way, just come for the Museum of the Bible and you'll actually have some time to explore in the afternoon. It'd be a couple of hours to explore some of the uh, Bible Museum. And um, 
we're going to go for 9.30 a.m., 9.30 p.m. We're going to just pack the day as full as we can with sessions. And I think we're going to have an evening where we have a worship time, but actually stop and share a few of the stories around some of the more well-known songs as well uh, that we've written. And um, yeah, all details, worthworship.com. I think if you go on there and bring more than four people, then when you're paying for your ticket, uh, you get like a $21 per person discount. So it's worth thinking about bringing a team too. Awesome. Well, it sounds it sounds amazing, and uh, yeah, I, and I don't think this is going to be the last one, right? I think you kind of have plans to. Hopefully, this is the, unless is this the something inaugural... terrible happens, unless <laughs> I get you know, if no one comes or I get chained up for heresy or something like that, then we might plan on having a few more of these. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you have to so you have to come so that you to make sure that Matt Redmond can keep doing these things because they they sound <laughs> yeah. awesome and very much uh, really appreciate your voice. Uh, as always, just in the entire worship community and all that you have contributed and continue to contribute. It's um, it's a really, you have a really powerful voice in this space. And so really grateful that you're taking it in this direction and and calling calling us to that. I think it's amazing. So thank you That's so much. That's super encouraging. Thank you. It, thanks so much for having me on. It's really great to talk with you. Well, yeah. And I just, I do want to mention, I was listening. So I didn't, ha I didn't have any notes from when, you know, I, 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 I just saw the email and said, Matt Redmond wants to come on and talk about worth. Yeah. And I was like, absolutely. And so, uh, and so I was actually listening to your Redmond and Riddle podcast to like, try and like, I got like, I got to figure out what, what's going on. I got to yeah. kind of go, go backwards a little. And I noticed that you, you mentioned that you're not very comfortable leading worship without a capo. As it gave, you called it a well, capo. When you say not capo. very comfortable, I think like I, I can't lead worship without a capo. It's well, not I'm even just... a comfort level thing. It's a capability issue. <laughs> I, I almost, I might as well leave the guitar in its case unless the song's in G. Well, you know what, Matt? I actually have a great website for you to check out. Uh, yeah. It's called worshipartistry.com. <laughs> I know you do. We can, we can help yeah. you out there. You, but, you uh, can even help people like who are with, as problematic as me, you think. You can help me move on. <laughs> I mean, I've been doing this for a lot of years. I might need a lot more help than you realize. <laughs> well, we appreciate you very much. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks so much. Loved it. Can we just all agree to go from Mr. Matt Redmond to Sir Matt Redmond? Because he's British. So he technically... So mean, they just knight everybody over there. Absolutely. Should we call him like Lord? He... Lord Redmond? Lord Redmond. <laughs> but Sir Matt Redmond just like... It rolls off the tongue. Sir I feel Matt like Redmond. it's great. Sir Redmond. Sir Redmond. That sounds like that's Sir Mr. Matt Redmond. You added a D on the end. Sir Mr. Matt. It's, it's Redmond. Whoa. Redmond. Redmond. The way you said it, it sounded like Edmund. Oh. Sir Edmund. Sir, Sir Matt Redmond. Yes. Sir it's, Mr. Matt Redmond. That is almost harder than saying Alex and Fiegian. That is true. First try. <laughs> First try right there. Jason, question. Which Matt Redmond, Matt Red, wow. <laughs> so which Sir Matt Red, Sir Redmond song? Sir Matt Redmond song, do you lead the most? I, well, I read, t I, I lead 10,000 reasons a lot. Really? It's, it's, uh, it's just a very good, like, belt out song. That's, At yeah, my church, we don't have a lot of, uh, belt out songs. We're, we're not like big epic songs. We're more like, acoustic guitar and but like that song has this almost like traditional aspect of it that feels almost like a hymn and like man there's something when you're just bless the lord oh my soul like yeah, when you do that acapella good. just to start a song that can come out of any other song we do so i can like introduce a song and then it's like 
this is what I want to sing. I want to sing bless the Lord on my soul. Yeah. Like that chorus is just amazing to me. And so I, I lead that one all the time. I haven't led that song in a really long time, but the song that I do lead often that I love is here for you. No way. So good. That is a good one. It's uh it's a great first song. Cause I, I'm very picky with my, my set starters and I like them to be like very vertical and praise focused, but I'm not one to do like a very jumpy clappy. Our church is just not really like that anyways. Yeah. Like I, I it's happy, so cl- happy clappy makes happy me sad. Clappy, yeah. It's not, <laughs> I can't do happy clappy, but I can do like praise where it's just overflowing with joy. Yeah. I can see that. And yep. And here for you is that song for me. Nice. It's so good. Nice. I, it's funny because oftentimes uh, I'll reference the heart of worship. You know, Classic. that's the song. Obviously, I feel like that, that's second for me. Yeah, that one's in there. You know what's one we've, well, I'll, I'll talk, finish this thought first. Yeah. Um, the heart of worship is rad. At the same time, it's interesting because this idea of going back to the heart of worship really came from a space of not being in the heart of worship, right? The idea was like, well, the music is taking over. Like everyone's paying attention to the music. No one's paying attention to the worship and, or like what the music is actually saying. And Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying he's necessarily saying nobody is, but it's just kind of like refocusing. Right. And I think it's, I think it's cool, but I often find it often, it often feels redundant because I feel like we already do a good job of creating that environment all the Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like saying something that we're all going like, well, yeah, duh, Mm -hmm. you know? The other song that I've been bringing back that's been killing uh, is uh, uh, Better Is One Day. Oh, I love that song. That Such a good song. It's so good and it holds up, man. Like, that's another one. I I don't know. Lately, I find myself just letting songs lead me into whatever the next song is going to be. And there's something about some of these older songs that aren't necessarily nostalgic, but they just really say plainly mm-hmm. what I want to say. Yeah. Sometimes I'm just like, well, I just want to say this. Yeah. You know, I just want to say better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. Like, yeah. Dang. I love that song so much. And what's cool is that we actually recently did a lesson for that song. Yes, we did. Like a modified, updated sounding version of it. Yeah. We kind of, we used the same, we used, essentially the same arrangement Mm -hmm. but just kind of updated a few parts and did kind of like better is one day with phil wickham's guitar player (laughs) that's a great little combo there (laughs) well you know what's funny is when we were doing it uh sydney our drum instructor Uh was like this is the phil wickham beat oh like the phil wickham drum beat this is what it is that's and it's like so dude so phil wickham i don't know he owes matt redmond some Something. I mean, I feel like he was probably influenced, but anyways. I feel like we all owe Matt Redman a lot. Sir Matt Redman. Sir Matt Redman. We love you. <laughs> Matt Redman. Matt, 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 Matt Redman. Matt. There's no D. I'm Russian. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, on that note, <laughs> if you want to go learn some Sir Matt Redmond song. This is your fault for saying I sir. Really, I know. You it's really a it. tongue twister for me. <laughs> then head over to worshipartistry.com. You can get a 21-day free trial and have access to many of his songs and much more. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>